0: What's up, Nux? Welcome to another edition of the Solo Shot. It's Sunday, March 15th. I had no intentions of recording a pod this week, given how unimportant fantasy baseball is in the face of of what the world is dealing with at the moment. But with all of the doom and gloom dominating the news cycle, I thought it could be beneficial, if not healthy, uh, to take 15 minutes to talk about something that brings us joy and distraction from all the negativity and the panic that has just been dominating um, our lives the last the last few days, you know, unless you've just completely avoided all forms of media, um, that's pretty much all we're hearing about, right? So, um, you know, Eno Saris recently commented on the situation, and he really articulated my feelings and my reaction about all this really better than I could. And so really, I'm kind of paraphrasing his thoughts with my own here, but the takeaway being that we're not unfamiliar with tragedy or hardship or just these depressing events, both internationally and domestically that can rock us at the core. Uh, The difference is that we typically have sports to serve as a distraction and to help unify us as we process and we work through these incidents. You know, whether it a a horrific school shooting or even something as significant as 9/11 you know, we have our moment of silence uh, sometimes prolonged um, but even if it takes a long time for life to return to normal uh, if it ever does return to normal uh, we typically have sports to bring us back together and to give us something to take our minds off the negativity right like even with 911 it wasn't that long till games were being played again and you know bush was out there firing the 80 mile an hour fastball and that you know that helped rally us and it helped give it you know helped us think about something else other than what had just occurred and kind of how our lives were changing forever um and i'm not to say i'm not trying to compare this to 9-11 per se i'm just saying that there you know we, we we've dealt with some weird and, and negative shit before um Don't confuse this for me saying that that sports should be playing on. I absolutely believe we're doing the right things and suspending all competition until we get this under control. Just stating why, for me, this particular situation feels a bit different than some of the other incidents I've experienced in my adult life. And so, you know, with all this said, I I wanted to, to, there's no segue really from, from what I just it into fantasy baseball but i figured the best segue was to share some reasons for optimism in the face of all this negative news um because it's just there hasn't seemed to be a lot of that so just a few bullet points of optimism that i've identified is one uh the fact that we have declared a state of emergency i think is a great sign as far as know, freeing up the funding resources as well as just shifting perspective. You know, there's a lot of people who rely on certain individuals or certain news networks to get their information, who I don't think were taking this nearly seriously enough a week ago. Um, one anecdotal story is my dad, who, as you saw, was posting stuff about how this is pretty much a political hoax earlier this week. Um, and now he has kind of shifted his perspective and he's stopped going to the gym and he's going to you know, take his distancing a little more serious. And I think he's taking all of the hygiene and all a little bit more serious because now he's heard it directly from Trump that this is something we need to pay attention to. So that's just one anecdotal story, but I think that th- that declaration is hopefully shifting some perspectives to get people to approach this the way that it should be approached and more responsibly. Uh, second reason for optimism is that the vaccines and the antiviral developments that are underway um, vaccine probably a, a good year out before it could really get here and be distributed in, in masses but antiv- antivirals are for those who aren't familiar those are medications you take when you're combating a virus so my background in HIV work gives me a little bit of insight into this and basically they can help lead to optimal health outcomes for people who already have the virus and um, In the case of HIV, though, and I don't know that this would be the case for an antiviral developed for uh, COVID-19, but it actually reduces the rate of virus in the system and actually makes it to where someone who is on medication for HIV cannot transmit the virus to somebody else, even through unprotected sex. They're that effective. I don't know that. Again, I, I'm not saying a COVID antiviral would be that effective, but just by the nature of how antivirals work, one would think it would reduce the virus in the system, and it should reduce to some extent the rate of transmission. So it's a, it's a dual like it, it, it has dual benefits, if you will. So I think that you know we have the smartest minds in the world working on this, and I think that we will get to something sooner than hopefully than later. Um, and the other the other piece of for optimism, I think is is when you look at the infection rate in the United States so far compared to Italy, because we keep comparing it to Italy. As far as this is, we're tracking right with them, almost day by day. We're seeing the same rate of increases of where they were, you know, at day X in the epidemic versus where we are. Um, but something that is lost in all that is, Italy has a population of 60 million, where we have a population of 300 million and so when you consider the total number of reported confirmed cases being tracking almost identically but we have five times more opportunity for for infection suggests that it's not really spreading here as rapidly as it is in Italy there's just way more opportunity which could be I mean the opportunity for the virus to spread is not a good thing but i just i don't know that we're quite on the path that Italy is um because I don't think you can compare apples to oranges when you're talking about a population uh, five times the size with the same amount of gross uh, cases. Now you can combat that by saying, "Oh well, we're not testing enough people. Our cases are actually higher." I guarantee they're actually higher, but I think they're probably higher in Italy too. So I just I think that you know we're gonna fight this. Certain areas are doing better than others as far as. Um, you know, responsibly combating this, but I think, you know, we'll all get through this okay, and I hope that all of us close to us, all those close to us as far as our parents and grandparents and other people with compromised immune systems, just remember that's who we're protecting by acting responsibly here. So, there is no segue. There is no segue I can make here to to actually transition over to fantasy baseball, so just forget it. I'm not even going to try. I'm going to jump just straight into a topic that was talked about, um, recently on on the Facebook group, and it kind of does pertain to uh, COVID and how it would impact the baseball season. And Keith was talking about, I think it was Keith who brought up, how does this impact service time for prospects? I don't know a definitive answer, but we can kind of walk through it logically. Uh, Right now, MLB, you get one year of service. Uh, with for 172 days on the Major League roster or the Major League DL. So, if we were to assume the season starts on May 1st, we have no idea when it starts, and we were to assume that they play a shortened season of about 125 games, um, then that would be them playing about 77% of the season. Um, so, if you just logically reduce the number of service days to to, to prorate that, it would be 133 days. And in this event, there would be no change to how teams handle their prospects. If they plan on giving them the Chris Bryant treatment and holding them down for the first week or two just to get under that key number, then that's what they would still do. Um, Scenario two, which is unlikely, but I think, you know, you gotta consider it, considering I I don't know how this is written in the collective bargaining agreement, is perhaps, regardless of how many games the season plays, maybe players maybe it's inked in there that they need to have 172 days of service to get a year even if it's a shortened season in this case there would be no reason to hold guys down because teams would guarantee the extra year um just by way of not playing these early early season games and so we would see a lot more prospects break camp on opening day whenever that is. Um, I think that's less likely. It just doesn't seem right or fair, but I don't know how that's written, so we'll see. Um, The other factor is Super 2, which is usually about 40% into the season. So if, if teams are looking to hold those prospects down to get past that Super 2 deadline, if we were, again, to assume a May 1st start, that would mean more of a July cutoff for the Super 2 versus the June timeframe that we usually see. Regardless, the guys are missing 40% of the season, but it would actually push us back a little bit further um, into the calendar year. Okay, we did have a few transactions that transpired over this past week, uh, despite the fact that we know baseball is on hold indefinitely for the time being. Um, first was Frank did a little dumpster diving to grab um, Seth Lugo out of Sean's trash can. One man's uh, trash is another man's treasure. In, in this case, Seth Lugo, of course, the reliever for the Mets, had back-to-back seasons with about a 2.7 ERA and 100-plus strikeouts in that kind of multi-inning relief ace role. Uh, could find himself in the mix for saves should he, uh, Edwin Diaz, excuse me, Einar Diaz, falter again. But I think Diaz should be just fine. If you look at his struggles last year, that was really the product of an insane batter close to 400 and an even more insane home run to fly ball rate that with relievers and you're throwing 40 50 60 innings um there's just not enough time for some of that stuff to level out so if you have some bad breaks um or just make a few bad pitches that can really change the surface level stats even though the k's and the walks and all that were all pretty much in line with his previous year so i i think it's less likely that that Lugo does take over the ninth and there is Dylan Batances to fight for those saves too if uh, Ainar Diaz should falter but even without saves I think Seth Lugo provides excellent ratios to Frank and other managers are filling those last pitcher spots on their roster for the time being but those lower upside starters Frank is opting for the quality over the quantity and I think that's a solid move to zig when others are zagging um Eels made his first move of the season with Shohei Otani officially going on the DL that freed up a roster spot for Miguel Cabrera. The soon to be 37 year old was off to a great start in spring training, hitting 345 with a 1045 OPS, three home runs, and 32 plate appearances. Two of those came off of Garrett Cole. Um, Although obviously Garrett Cole didn't really seem to have it that day because they came in like the first and second inning and the guy hitting in front of Cabrera, who I forget who it was, but not a great hitter, also hit two home runs. So Cole was probably working on something that day to give up four homers in the first couple innings. Nonetheless, Miggy, one of the best hitters of our generation, um, when he's healthy, should be slotted into the three or the four spot in Detroit, presumably as the DH, so he should be able to stay healthy, you would think. Could be a dead cat bounce in Mickey, but I'm with Keith in the comment he made about Mickey's last three seasons, just pointing out really how bad they've been. He's hit 32 home runs in the last three seasons combined. Granted, one of them was limited to just 38 games, but otherwise it's like 1,200 or so plate appearances. You know, two full seasons worth of work and only 32 home runs. He could still produce a solid batting average, but the the power appears to be shot, and the projections tend to agree. They have him around 130 games, 15, 18 homers, 60 or 70 runs, RBIs with a sub 800 OPS, batting average close to 270, 280. Um, just, I mean, if he does play. If he stays healthy, he's gonna play more games than that. And if he hits third or fourth, you know, he could hit 20 home runs with, you know, 70 or 80 runs in RBIs. He could do he could be just kind of right on that replacement level, but it's just there's not a lot out there right now. So I, I can understand taking a shot on someone like me and just hoping for the best. But I'm not very optimistic that he's gonna contribute much to Eels squad this year. Sean uh, picked up Freddie Peralta, a right hander out in Milwaukee. Over 163 major league innings since 2018, he has proven a huge strikeout pitcher who also issues a ton of free passes. 11.6K per nine, 4.2 walks per nine for about 4.8 ERA, 1.3 whip in that span. And it's been kind of a hybrid starter-reliever role that he's acquired those innings and those stats. Uh, His role is uncertain. At the moment, he appears to be in a battle with Eric Lauer and Corbin Burns for the fifth rotation spot. He did just get an extension recently, so you got to figure he's on the roster regardless. He's going to get innings, uh, even if not a starter in that reliever-slash-swingman role. Uh, But he is a two-pitch guy. He throws his fastball about 80% of the time, so he may be better suited for a bullpen role. Um, he definitely has his warts, does Peralta, uh, when it comes to both his role and his skill set, you know, with those walks, but I think he's the kind of guy you take a shot on at this point, because personally, you know, I'd say the chances Peralta is an impact starter for this year over a prolonged period of time are low, but they're probably higher than waiver wire options like Mike Fiers or Jay Happ, who have established roles, but just don't possess that upside that Peralta does. So if you're looking for game changers, Peralta is the kind of guy you take a shot on over those... More established, dude, so you just know what you're getting, but it ain't that good. Uh, The last move was one that just recently took place by yours truly. I added Jordan Hicks, the fireballer in St. Louis. He was the Cardinals' closer last year. who was en route to a breakout until he succumbed to Tommy Tommy John's surgery last summer. Um, Not slated to return until around the All-Star break this year, and who knows if the velocity will be there. Who knows if the control, which hasn't been great, will be there. Who knows if the cards will even slot him back into the ninth inning when he does return. They might want to ease him back in. They might have Gallegos or someone down there who just has that spot on lockdown. But in this case, I simply had a move to burn. Uh, here it is. It's Sunday. Had a move that I wasn't going to use, and I had four open DL spots, so I figured, why not? Just throw him up, stash him on there, hope for the best. Uh, a low, I think there's a very low chance that that he even pitches for me this year because I'm not gonna roster him if he's not the closer. And I don't know that he will be, or if he'll be any good or when he's coming back. But you know, that's it was that or just let the, the move go to waste. So um, not a lot to talk about there. There's a, who else is out there? If you're thinking about stashing someone, Tyon. Tyon's on the IL officially on Yahoo, but he's not gonna pitch this year. So there really wasn't a lot in that vein until Yahoo starts putting more guys on the IL. Um, other than that, there's been a couple trade rumors. Frank and Cup seem to be trying to get something going. Lance Lynn from Frank would be going to Cup for his request was for Mark Kanha. And I think a move uh, Cup uh, countered with Jock Peterson. Both reasonable offers, honestly. I think both camps, so that they should be close. If the, if the idea is for Cup to get a pitcher and, and move a bat to Frank, then you know, I think that they're, they should be close. Something should be able to happen there. Uh, it was interesting to see Frank, who's shopping a pitcher for a bat to drop a bat in Kiermaier for a relief pitcher that's really not like Kiermaier anymore all right folks we're at the 15 minute mark thanks for listening stay safe do all the right things and I know we'll all make it through the other side just fine uh, but take care of yourselves and uh, looking forward to baseball starting whenever that does